Welcome to the SMA News Today podcast, episode 78. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. And joining me today, back after a couple month hiatus, because we've both been busy at work, but Michael Morale. Michael, how are you today? Doing great, Kev. How about yourself? Ah, doing really well. Excited to be here. And um, yeah, for our listeners out there, this will be another roundtable discussion. So we'll be hitting on some news stories um, and columns, but also at the beginning, we're going to be having a conversation about some treatment updates, both regarding to personal decisions there. So uh, we'll just be catching up. Um, so before we get started, if everyone could please listen to a brief word from our sponsor. This podcast was brought to you by Genentech, the makers of an FDA-approved treatment for SMA. To learn about our study results across different types of people with SMA, visit approvedforsma.com. That's approvedforsma.com. Okay. Well, Michael, I wanted to start off the show by talking to you a little bit about uh, a decision you made recently. Uh, I know this is something we've talked about and you've kind of highlighted in your videos as well, but you recently made the decision to switch back from after being on a RISD for a little while, you decided to switch back to Spinraza. So I wanted to ask you about that and kind of like what led you to making this decision and what factors came into play? Sure. Um, what happened was, I guess before I went in for my November injection of Spinraza, probably around August, uh, not, not long after the FDA approved of RISD, I was talking to my neurologist about it and I saw some benefits of it. One, I don't have to go to the hospital three times a year. And two, it's an oral treatment that I would be taking each day. You know, and there's been a lot of people that said that as they get closer to their next Spinraza injection, they start to feel a little bit lethargic, a little bit weak. And it's basically, I guess, for a lack of a better word, I guess you could consider us junkies that our body needs that fix. So I'm sorry, ju junkie was a bad word to use, but <laughs> no, it's <all> good. <laughs> I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So anyway, I thought taking this oral treatment daily might level off those feelings. And so uh, I got the approval. Uh, we did the insurance. My insurance approved it. And I started working with uh, Genentech about getting the Everest treatment. And it didn't take very long at all. And uh, so they sent me my first dosing amounts. And basically, they send you three bottles and you take a certain amount each day. And you're supposed to take it with food. So I did that. And not long after I started Everest, I started noticing some gastrointestinal issues. My bowels were loose. And I just thought it was my body's way of adjusting that I just needed to give it time. But this went on for over a month. And it really started impacting the way that I was going about my day. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything really bad as far as being uncomfortable. It was just I knew something was wrong. My stomach just didn't feel like it used to. So I talked to my neurologist about it and she said, well, go ahead and get off of Everest for about a week and see if it clears up. If it does, go back on it and see if, the, see if those issues come back. So I got off of Everest for about a week. The problems cleared up. And um, then I went back on Everest. And a couple of days after I went back on Everest, those issues came back and it, it wasn't as bad, but you know, it was happening maybe three or four times a week versus seven days a week. 
But even still, I thought to myself, I'm just going to give it a little bit more time. So I gave it nearly three months before deciding with my neurologist that it may be best for me to switch back to Spinraza. So um, again, we went through the insurance again. Insurance approved me going back to Spinraza. Uh, I didn't have to fill out any new paperwork other than the start form, but I didn't have to go back and, and do any of the loading doses again. I'll, I just resumed my normal schedule. So I missed my November injection because I was on at RISD. So my next injection was in March and I just finished my March injection. I finished it this past Monday. So anyway, I went back to UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas and uh, all, the, all the nurses were glad to see me. I, I got the same doctors and I, you know, I feel comfortable with the Spinraza treatments. I never had any problems with them. Uh, once they give you the lidocaine, you know, it, it's, to me, it's just normal life now. Mm. You know, there, there's nothing traumatic about it. The injections don't really hurt. And uh, so anyway, last Monday, I went back through and had my injection and everything went great. I was on the table for probably about another eh, 10 minutes, I guess. Sure. So, you know, these injections used to take 45 minutes to an hour. And then my doctor told me that when I come back for my July injection, they've got a new machine that instead of fluoroscopic guidance, they're getting a laser guided system to where it will map out in, in a, a laser line exactly where the needle needs to go. So instead of actually guiding the needle in, they'll have a clear path. So that may be something that our listeners, if they're taking Spinraza, may want to talk to their doctors about because I think it's a new technology, but I'm not, I'm not really for sure about that. Yeah, I know you were talking to me about that yesterday. That, that sounds really cool because, yeah, I mean, for listeners out there who don't know, um, when you go in for a Spinraza injection, you have to get some blood work done in advance so that they can um, look at your levels and all that. And, um, you know, and anyone in the SMA community knows that um, drawing blood is like, can often be really tricky. So it's cool to see that there's technologies like that designed to make it an easier process. Um, yeah, and you know, one, one suggestion that I would have to those that are, are taking Spinraza, that when you go for your blood work, like I go the day of, I know some people go a few days before their treatment, yeah. but I go the day of, and they use a Doppler machine on me where they can see the vein. And so getting blood from me, they used to do it off the top of my hand. Okay. And over the course of 55 years, those veins have pretty well become butchered in the sense that they've been using them so much. So now they go on my, on the inner part of my right arm, you have a, a very large vein there. So what used to take me five minutes to fill up three vials now takes me about 30 seconds. So anyway, if, if they're having problems getting blood from you when they try to, you might ask them about the Doppler machine because it's, it's a great way for them to see the vein and they can watch the needle and they can guide the needle directly to the vein versus trying to hunt for it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, it's something I'll definitely look into. Um, and Michael, going back to your decision to switch, were there any other factors that came into play um, as you were considering current treatments, upcoming ones, just what was kind of your mindset there? 
there was some thought behind that. I know we're, we're looking at um, Scholar Rock. They're going to be coming up with their treatment. It, it was called SRK015. It's now called Epidogramab. And again, I'm still trying to figure out how they name these. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Name, name, name these treatments. But um, this muscle targeted therapy, which will be the first of its kind, uh, when they started their clinical trial, they started using it in combination with Spinraza. I think they wanted to use Evrisd, but Evrisd had not yet been passed by the FDA when Scholar Rock started their clinical trial. So this will be the first combination therapy. Now, will it also be used in conjunction with Evrisd? I don't know. I would like to think it would, but I think until the FDA clears the actual muscle targeted therapy, epidogramab, they may write the label to say that it can be included with Evrisd because Evrisd and Spinraza basically do the same thing by addressing the SMN levels within the SMN2 gene. So it's not anything different. They, they both basically function about the same. There are some differences, but for the most part, uh, you're, you're comparing apples to apples. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to switch back was when this epidogramab becomes available that I want to be able to take it as soon as I can. And so that's, that's another reason why I switched back to Spinraza. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely important to consider. And I was just having a conversation with a friend yesterday um, who's looking into treatments. And, you know, and by just as a discretion to our listeners out there, you know, these are all just our experiences we're sharing. Um, you know, neither of us are medical professionals. We're really just kind of like um, giving you our experiences. But always, as we always encourage on the show, you know, please talk to your doctors and specialists if you are in the, you know, if you're, whether you're receiving a treatment right now, you're considering one, any of that. Um, definitely talk and you want to make the decision that's best for you. But, um, but yeah, I know Scholarock is something a number of estimated people are looking into right now. And I think it will be, you know, the next big thing um, down the market and, or down the road. And yeah, I mean, because it's right now being studied in conjunction with Spinraza, um, that is a major factor for a lot of people. So, uh, so yeah, I appreciate you sharing and um yeah, yeah, no, and, I, and, and, yeah. And Kevin, I'd like to say one more thing. Sure. My, my decision to switch from Evrisd back to Spinraza, it, I, I don't want people to misunderstand. Mm -hmm. I wasn't unhappy with Genentech and their treatment of RISD. It had nothing to do with that. It was a personal choice that I made because of the, the gastrointestinal issues. I know some people have said that they experienced the same thing, but their body adjusted. And that may be the case for our listeners. Your body may adjust to it and you may be just fine. Unfortunately, my body did not. So that's the reason why I switched back. One of the reasons why I switched back. But I don't want people to think that I was unhappy with Genentech and, and Evrisd because that's not the case. Genentech has a marvelous product out there. A lot of people that were not able to take Spinraza because doctors couldn't find an opening now have a viable treatment. So for those individuals, my hopes and prayers are that it does work for you. It's just unfortunate for me, it just didn't work. Sure, sure, absolutely. And yeah, no, like, I mean, like I've talked about the show, like I decided to stick with Spinraza personally as well, um, but I know many people have benefited from Evrisd and 
that's great. You know, you kind of have to just do what works best for you and talk about it with your healthcare team. Um, but that's the really crazy thing about it. You know, um, three treatments on the market right now and more on the way is that you have choices. And, um, you know, if you're interested in pursuing treatments, you know, you, there's several options to choose from and you just got to decide the one that works best for you. Um, so that's great. Exactly. Um, well, Michael, thank you for sharing. And, um, we will go ahead and transition into some news. Um, the first story I wanted to go over is just one I wanted to highlight. It is that CareSMA is now offering free virtual therapy sessions. Um, so obviously mental health is extremely important, especially in times like this. And, you know, it's something we've talked about on the show before. So I think this is a really great program that um, CareSMA is doing. And I just wanted to highlight that. Um, I've actually tried it out as well. And basically it grants you three free sessions through Talkspace, uh, which is a really great uh, mental health service. And so if you're, you know, obviously everyone is struggling right now with the pandemic. And um, if you're in that boat of like, you wanted to get some more mental health resources, this is a really good option out there. So I just wanted to highlight, uh, and we have that new story linked in the description here. Uh, but yeah, that was really great. And um, also speaking on that note too, while we're doing just kind of like check in with each other, I just wanted to mention that I did receive the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine a few days ago, and it went really well for me. I'll be getting the second dose later this month. And so it's, for me personally, it's really exciting because it's kind of a light at the end of the tunnel after a really hard year mentally and emotionally, obviously. And now the, um, the thought of, you know, getting a little bit back out into the world is really exciting. And uh, that's another thing, you know, absolutely. If you're considering the vaccine, I'm not going to give you medical advice on that. I strongly encourage you to talk to your doctors about it and, you know, make a decision that works best for you. But I just wanted to put that out there that it went really well for me. Um, and again, mental health right now is extremely important. So, you know, take advantage of resources like this. Um, so I just wanted to highlight program like that, the CareSMA is doing, as well as many other adult programs right now, uh, which we've talked about on the show before. So be sure to check out some of the great work they're doing right now. And uh, before we continue, if everyone could please listen to a, another brief word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible by a sponsorship from Genentech. Are you living with SMA or are you a caregiver for someone who is? A treatment has been FDA approved based on studies of different types of people living with SMA. Genentech extends a special thanks to all the individuals, families, and healthcare providers who participated in the studies that led to making this treatment option a reality. To learn more about this treatment, visit approvedforsma.com. Okay, we're back. And our second news story, this actually just dropped um, this morning, a uh, recording, and it is the that Zolgensma will soon be available to eligible SMA type 1 patients in England and Scotland. And I just wanted to read the excerpt from this article, uh, which again is linked in the description. The gene therapy Zolgensma was added to the list of medications available to eligible spin, spinal muscular atrophy type 1 patients through England and Scotland's National Health Services, NHS. Uh, so for any listeners out there who are based in Europe and England and Scotland specifically, um, this is really great news. You know, we've talked about Zolgensma many times on this show and on our other platforms with SMA News Today. 
And for those of you who don't know, it is a gene therapy um, tar that's specifically designed for infants with type one. And so uh, it's been available in the US for coming on two years, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then, you know, it's been slowly rolling out in other countries, but uh, this is really exciting. So we have, again, that article linked in the description. So if you want to find out more, you can check that out. But I just wanted to highlight that story. And um, our next news story, I know I'm just kind of like um, going through these, but this one I wanted to talk about with you, Michael. And this is that there is a new SMN boosting molecule showing promise as an add-on therapy. Um, so like we talked about, this is targeting the SMN gene that affects all of us um, with SMA. So I wanted to read this excerpt from the article and then I will hand it over you, to you to expand on this. Uh, it says targeting a specific region of an intermediate molecule generated from the SMN2 gene increased the levels of functional SMN, the protein lacking in spinal muscular atrophy in cells derived from SMA patients, a study shows. In addition, combining this approach with a splicing modifier similar to Spinraza resulted in even greater SMN levels than treatment with the splicing modifier alone. Um, so I know a lot of medical terminology just in that brief excerpt, but Michael, can you expand on this a little bit and talk about what this add-on therapy is and, um, and just a little more bit about this story? Sure. The, the SMN levels of protein are what basically give us the ability to do what we do. The able-bodied person who can get up and walk, they have the same amount of SMN1 and SMN2 uh, genes in their body, but their SMN1 gene is fully functional. So for SMA patients, we have to rely on that SMN2 gene. So what happens is within the SMN2 gene, it only produces about 10 to 15% of the protein that we need. That's why everybody asks, well, how many copies of the SMN2 gene that do you have? And so the more copies that you have, the better off you are. So with these combination therapies coming out in the not so distant future, there's more work being done on boosting the SMN levels. And this add-on therapy, which I believe it's still in animal testing phases. Mm -hmm. They haven't even gone to clinical trial yet. Right. So we're looking at probably at least a year, maybe two years before this actually comes to fruition. But imagine being able to take Spinraza on top of a muscle targeted therapy like epidogramab and then have the possibility of this SMN boosting molecule that will increase the level of protein. So that's one of the things that they're looking at. I know that they're, they're really focusing on more muscle targeted therapies such as epidogramab, but this boosting molecule, if it can increase the level of SMN within the SMN2 gene, then that's only gonna benefit us even more because the more that these combination therapies have to work with, the better the results. So again, we're probably looking at a couple of years down the road, but it's still something that's on the radar. Scientists, researchers, doctors, they're all excited about it. And so hopefully we'll hear more about this in the coming months. I, I would suspect once it, goes to, once it goes to clinical trial, 
we'll start hearing more about it. And as soon as we hear about it, we'll make sure that we let everybody uh, you know, know and to try to keep them updated. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting thing to look at us. But I mean, like we were talking about with Scholar Rock earlier, that's kind of the direction a lot of treatments are moving toward beyond just stability, but actually, you know, enhancing um, the strength of patients. And so it's really cool to see what kind of therapies are in development right now. And um, yeah, like you said, there's not a whole lot of info about this one right now, um, but it is something to keep an eye out for. And we'll have more information in the future, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. Yeah. As soon as we know more, we'll make sure that we let everyone know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and uh, the last news story I wanted to highlight real quick. Um, this one is not specifically geared toward SMA, but uh, for listeners out there, the company that Michael and I work for um, called BioNews, it's the parent company of SMA News, Today, SMA News Today. And so we cover a wide range of rare diseases. And uh, this one story, which they uh, ran on multiple um, sites, in light of Rare Disease Day, which um, took place on February 28th. And, you know, we were doing a lot for, and it was really great. But uh, so we, a lot of the news team, the news team was trying to highlight a lot of stories centered around Rare Disease Day and Rare Disease patients. So one of the stories was about um, an advocate, a disability advocate um, with sickle cell named Tristan Lee. And the story was titled, Rare Disease Patient Hero Raises Awareness Through Fashion. And this story I, I, is just one of those I really was fascinated by. Um, and I, again, will be linked in the description. I highly recommend um, people check out. But basically, um, so he was, uh, Tristan was diagnosed with sickle cell at a young age um, and always had an interest in various arts and particularly fashion. So he ended up starting his own fashion company. And as it grew, he wanted to really uh, devote it toward rare disease advocacy. And so combining his interests um, as an artist with, you know, his status and identity as a rare disease patient. So it's a really cool story. I would highly recommend listeners check that out. Um, I'll read just a quick excerpt from this real quick. After working his way up the fashion world totem pole, Lee showed a 35 piece couture collection as part of New York Fashion Week in September 2018 with the red, black, and white theme of Sickle Cell Awareness Month. Revenue generated from every fashion show Devo Stars produces goes directly to sickle cell organizations. Um, so again, this is just a really cool story I wanted to highlight. And again, it speaks to um, a, a wide range of rare disease and disability communities. So again, that will be linked in the description. And uh, moving on here, so that is, covers news here. I know I went into one, just kind of highlight a few of those real quick, but Again, you can um, learn more by reading these stories on smanewstoday.com. Um, but I also, I wanted to wrap up the show today by talk, highlighting a few of our recent columns from our main website. So I wanted to just highlight a few of these and um, we'll read an excerpt and just talk about it a little bit. So the first column uh, was written by Sherry Toe. Uh, she's one of our newest columnists, excellent writer. Um, she has SMA type two and lives in Singapore. I've really enjoyed getting to know her story and reading her columns. So uh, this one is titled, Mama, It's Amazing What SMA Patients Can Do, A Reminder of Our Adaptability. And as you can tell from the title, so it's a lot about how we can adapt as people with SMA. And she uses several examples from um, kind of medical setbacks to 
just kind of getting out in the world. And she uses the specific example, uh, specific example of her family moved recently. And while that may not be a big deal for a lot of people, you know, for her, she talked about the personal impact that had and how it requires a lot of adaptation. And so I wanted to read this excerpt and then we'll discuss it for a minute. Uh, she says, but that's one thing SMA patients have become so good at, isn't it? Adapting. Whether it's neuropathic pain, social plans messed up due to hospitalizations, or moving to a new place, we adapt. We continue to function. We go on. This may be one of the few times I'm grateful for my body with all of its strangeness. I may even think it's kind of cool. Because if it can adapt to my organ shifting, then maybe I can look to it for strength when new situations dictate that I must shift myself, literally and figuratively. Uh, so again, I really love Sherry's writing. I thought this column spoke to me a lot in terms of adaptation. It's something I've written about a lot. It's something we all have to do, you know, not just as people with SMA, but people in general. And I think with SMA, we kind of have that um, added layer of resilience and creativity when it comes to adapting. So, Michael, do you have any thoughts on this column? Yeah, I do, actually. You know, it, all of us with SMA and really, I think everyone with any kind of rare disease, your life is not as cookie cutter as you would like it to be. You know, we have to adapt. We, we face challenges that others don't, uh, while others that are able-bodied face challenges that we'll never know about. But I think it's our adaptability that makes us who we are. You know, if everything went perfect or if everything was scripted for us, I think our life would be boring. Mm -hmm. You know, we all face issues, concerns, problems in a different way. But being adaptable, being able to adapt to, to the economy, the environment, and even your own body says a lot about patients with these rare diseases. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And I mean, it's like I said, it's something I've written about. And then um, like for me, I've used the example of managing caregivers a lot. You know, um, I'm very fortunate to have had the same primary caregiver for almost six and a half years now, which I know is kind of unheard of, but I've also had many others come and go. And it's always a um, test of, like I said, resilience and creativity and strength when you have to manage multiple people, welcoming them into your home and, you know, guide them through your care routine, it can be really challenging. And so that's one of the ways that I'm always having to adapt to. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things you have to do. But no, Michael, I totally agree with you, what you said. It like, um, it makes life interesting. It makes you, I think, a better person overall when you learn to adapt to new environments, new situations. And so I really love the theme of this column. Um, so that was Sherry Toe's column. Again, you can check more of her writing out on the site. Uh, the next column I wanted to highlight was um, by Katie Napawaki, and it is titled Hot Air Balloons Adrift, Appreciating My Pulmonary Function with SMA. Um, so I think for most of us in the SMA community, we are no strangers to pulmonary function tests or PFTs. I know I've been doing them pretty much my whole life, and um, they're never particularly fun, but, um, and Katie does a great job in this column articulating the nuances of them and what it's like when you go in and you do those breathing treatments and kind of the anxiety that comes with it because you're wanting the results to be good and 
it's a lot of work and they, they're really exhausting. Um, but she kind of ties it into this theme of um, balancing her physical health with her mental and emotional health. And I really like that theme. And so I was going to read just this excerpt and then we'll talk about it. She says toward the end of the column, I weigh risks and precautions. I ponder what I'm willing to forsake in the name of living and adventure to explore this one glorious life I have beneath my fingertips. I show up for myself every day while recognizing which stretches of time require me to strip my raincoat and soak up the sunlight in the, of the moment. I sometimes wear the makeshift halo and bite the apple all in the same breath. Um, so like we've talked about many times before, Katie's imagery and her writing is just outstanding. And I always love the um, allegories she makes and the descriptions and whatnot. But, um, but again, I think that's what this column really centers on is um, kind of balancing that, you know, uh, that determination to take care of your physical health with also your enjoyment of life and your mental and emotional health. Uh, so Michael, did you have anything in this column that really stuck out to you? Um, you know, yes, <laughs> especially when you talk about pulmonary function tests, yeah, sure. you know, because I, uh, I went through mine not too long ago. It's probably been about three or four months, mm -hmm. but instead of going to my pulmonologist, they had somebody come out to my house, you know, with the COVID, uh, pandemic and everything. So, sure. um, yeah, you know, PFTs are something that, that we all have to just put up with, uh, especially those of us with SMA. But I think Katie did a really good job. I, you're right when you talk about the imagery that she uses. Uh, I wish I had one-tenth of her writing skill, <laughs> but uh, I know I, I could have used this type of writing skill whenever I was in college, uh, but I got through college, luckily, uh, even with my archaic writing skills that I've got. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you just, again, it, it boils down to adapting. Mm -hmm. It boils down to adapting. Yeah, absolutely. And I really, I think that's kind of a common theme of all three columns I selected for today um, to discuss, but also just in general. I mean, it's a theme of life and particularly life with SMA. Um, but yeah, and PFTs, uh, that's another, yeah, that's a subject to, if you have any questions on or experiences with you want to share, you know, it's something, like I said, I've written about and we talk about it on the forums. Um, it's never, I'd say a particularly fun thing to do, but it is important. And that's really interesting, Michael, you were able to do your last round, uh, from home. I've never done PFTs from home. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually a lot easier too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, she brought out everything that that was needed. And uh -huh. I did the expiratory, the inspiratory test, the lung volume test. And um, it, what I liked about it was I got immediate, immediate results, which was nice. I didn't have to wait a week for my doctor to, to analyze all the data. She was telling me as I was doing it. And she had my last PFT results with her. So I knew if I was any better or worse. And luckily I ended up being quite a bit better. So it, it, it was nice to know. That's great. That's great. Yeah, no, I, I think for me too, I mean, they, my levels have improved a lot, particularly with being on treatment and um, just kind of maintaining it. But, but yeah, like that's what I, again, I, what I like about this column a lot is it's finding that balance, which is often hard, you know, like tending to your physical health and um, doing breathing treatments and all these things we have to do. And then, you know, not letting it interfere with your enjoyment of life. And 
Um, so that's what I really took away from this piece and really liked. Um, and then lastly, I did want to do a little shameless self-promotion and talk about one of my columns. <laughs> but um, this one uh, was my most recent. It's titled Amid the Busyness of Life with SMA, I'm Learning to Embrace Stillness. Uh, and so this, again, it's something I feel like I've written about quite a bit in the last year um, because of the chaos of everything in our world and uh, the ongoing pandemic. Obviously, like I said earlier, it's taken a toll on my mental and emotional health. And I have to be really cognizant of that in my daily life and do things to for self-care even more so than I ever have before. So that's kind of what I focused in on this column. And I'll read just this excerpt from it. Uh, all of those things are true. However, doing those things, and meaning um, tending to physical health and working and listening to our bodies when they're begging us to slow down aren't mutually exclusive. One essay in the book, Disability Visibility, explores this idea by relating it to the concept of crip time. The idea is that time works differently for us due to the numerous obligations that come with having a disability. We have to respect our bodily needs, and sometimes that means being late to a meeting or appointment, and understanding that's okay. Uh, so again, this was kind of like, I meant right before this paragraph, I was talking about how, you know, I always strive to um, emphasize that those of us with disabilities are fully capable of working and contributing to society and having social lives and all these things. And, um, and while I 100% believe that, it's also important to take care of your mental and emotional health and rest when needed. And um, that's something I have to, if you read my columns, you know, I have to like remind myself of regularly. And it's a theme I've written about multiple times. Um, and similar to Sherry and Katie's columns that we talked about today, you know, a lot of this is about the themes here are about adapting. And, you know, especially in the last year, we've had to adopt, adapt to a lot of situations that I don't think any of us ever expected to encounter in our lifetime. And so because of that, it's really important to take care of our mental and emotional health. And um, that's something, uh, like I said, I write about a lot in my columns. And in this one, I talk about some strategies where, you know, particularly the, the title is about embracing the stillness. And so those moments that are more quiet and translucent and how all of that is really important. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what motivated me to write this column. Uh, Michael, did you have any thoughts or any questions for me about this one? You know, I think it's funny that you picked this article. Um, I don't know who that Kevin Schaefer, I don't know who, who that guy is. <laughs> I've heard good things about him. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's okay. With regards to stillness, you know, I'm, I'm probably the last person in the world that can give good advice on this because even when I'm on vacation, I'm still working. Uh, you get on to me about take some time off, take some time off. And I never do, but that's just me. I would rather be busy, but I understand what you mean. There are times that you just have to slow down, that you just have to admit to yourself what your limitations are and knowing what those limitations are and understanding what they are, you can adapt. Again, adaptability. And so, but that's something that I have a lot of trouble with. And I'll be the first to admit it. So um, next time I'm on vacation and you tell me to quit logging in, you know I'm not going to do it. But I do take some time when I know that my body needs that time. I'll go to bed early, watch a movie. Um, I know for 
like three or four days, I went to bed really early, like four o'clock in the afternoon. And it was actually really nice. But it's like you said, you have to understand that every once in a while, you may be late to a meeting. That's just the story of our life. Uh-huh. We don't run our life. You know, we're, we're kind of in this game and each day it changes. So anyway, I did think it was a great article. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And no, and it, it totally, you're totally right though, is it's really a matter of, um, you have to just know your body and like some people just, I mean, they like you, and I know you, I think you get enjoyment out of just working a lot and that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's more just kind of figuring out, okay, what are your limitations and when is my body telling me, okay, slow down enough's enough. And, you know, for me, I like, I mean, it's little things like, um, so I think a lot of the reason I wrote this one is because the last few months have been particularly difficult because you combine the pandemic with the winter isolation. And so, uh, you know, just not being able to get outside as much on top of not being able to see anyone in person has been really draining for me. And so just in the last week, it's been kind of a turnaround because, you know, it's spring now, the weather's much better and I can actually get outside. And, you know, and so like yesterday before I started work, I went outside for a stroll around the neighborhood, listen to music on my phone. It's little things like that that are really stimulating for me. And it gives me so much more motivation and, you know, energy during the day. And so things like that and being able to listen to your body are really helpful. And like I mentioned earlier, now that I've um, gotten the first half of the vaccine and, um, and I'm on my way to be fully vaccinated, that will have a big impact on me because I could actually start planning things to do in April and over the summer. Um, you know, I'm still obviously going to be taking precautions, but being able to actually see more people in person and get out and do things is going to be really beneficial for me because I'm very extroverted and I need that balance of working inside and then getting out and about. So yeah, um, yeah it's just a matter of like listening to your bodies and, um, and to your mind and knowing what your needs are that make a world of difference. Right. And I think this whole pandemic has taught us that it's okay to slow down. Yes. You know, and for me, I go to physical therapy every week. It was deemed, um, necessary. You know, they, they, they were considered one of the few groups that were still able to, to keep their doors open during the pandemic. And I've said numerous times that, you know, physical therapy for me is more, is just as much mental as it is physical. Right. And so I, the only thing that I wish I had that if I could have seen this coming, I probably would have done it. I wish I would have started a movie theater close to your house, because once you get your second injection, that movie house is going to make a ton of money off you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, oh, I've already got several like uh, close to me, but that was one of the first things I did was like the day I got my imp- appointment scheduled for the first vaccine uh, or the first dose, I bought movie tickets for April. So like, I'm, I'm already there. Um, yep, like, I can tell. Oh, without a doubt. So uh, awesome. Well, Hey, Michael, I wanted to thank you so much for being back on today. I know like uh, we've both been super busy with work, so it's great to have you back on the show and we'll be doing of course more of these in the coming months, but um, thank you so much for, as always, for coming on and talking, sharing um, updates on your personal journey and on news stories. So great to have you as always. Pleasure was mine, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for our listeners out there, you can hear more stories and conversations like this 
by subscribing to the SMA News Today podcast. We're all available over Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you, SoundCloud, wherever you listen. You can also connect with us directly on our forums and follow our main website at smanewstoday.com for the latest SMA news and perspectives. And we have all of our content, multimedia and otherwise, right there. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time. Take care. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.